Thanks, Josh. Hello. Talking of Ukraine, um, the other day I watched Ukraine play Scotland for qualifier for the World Cup, and Scotland lost. And I wasn't sure whether to be happy or sad, <laughs> because I think everyone in Scotland felt the same. Said, "We're so glad Ukraine won, but that's our World Cup dreams smashed again." <laughs> Happens a lot with Scotland. We're used to it. So. Questions, does anyone know what day it is today? What's that? Look at you, Mrs. Knowledgeable Person. You've, my, my whole setup's gone. It's good, though. It's actually Father's Day today. Did you know that? In Denmark. Pardon? The Queen's Jubilee was yesterday, right? Ron. What? I don't know, actually. I looked up lots of things. I found it's, it's I, nothing so significant, really. It's uh, National Gingerbread Day. <laughs> that was your next guess. And it, it's also Arbor Day in New Zealand, which is a day when people plant trees. It's been going for a long time. A lot of people do it. But yesterday, actually, in San Dimas, I just found out this morning, uh, up at um, the canyon, they planted like hundreds of trees, so it's pretty cool. Um, but as uh, the, uh, we have been told, it's Pentecost today. Pentecost uh, is celebrated in the church calendar today. And what an extraordinary day. We went through the book of Acts, so we actually covered that whole story. Does anyone know what Pentecost is? Okay, so the, the Spirit came. This, this illustration kind of shows it. The disciples, but probably many more than are pictured in this picture or pictures we usually have. This is the 12. Um, actually, yeah, yeah, they had replaced uh, Judas by that point. But actually, there's probably a lot of different disciples there that day. In, in Acts chapter 2, here's what it says. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All the believers. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled by the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And it causes a great commotion in the, in the town and people actually accuse them of being drunk. Uh, but Peter gets up and he says these men are not drunk. This is what was promised in the scriptures, in our scriptures, that you know, the, the people will speak and they will prophesy. Uh, and then he goes and preaches, and it goes on to say those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Man, they're going to have to start a building project. Poor Peter. Um, and then 42, the very next verse is, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. What a hopeful story and a powerful beginning in the life of these people who had come to follow, to believe in and follow Jesus Christ as Lord, friend, Savior, God with us. And shortly after that, the church is initiated. The church is uh, catapulted into the world by the power of the Spirit to share the good news about Jesus. Well, I, I just discovered as I was preparing for the message today that this, this was Pentecost Sunday, as well as being National Gingerbread Day. And it's a happy coincidence because we are spending the next 20 or minutes or so talking once again about some of the things that Christians do as part of our worship. And one of these is mentioned in this episode as we just mentioned in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves. It's interesting, these are some of the things we've been talking about in this why do we do what we do thing, to the apostles' teaching, 
to fellowship, to gathering, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Uh, so when we were talking about communion today, and um, one of the first ever recordings in the New Testament of Jesus sitting down and, and initiating this thing we call the Lord's Supper is actually in the letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians. It's the very first one. The Gospels came later. This is a very early uh, description of this event. And you probably know it well. If you've been in church for a while, you, you know this probably to the point where it, it just doesn't really, you know, it's just, you know it, you're familiar with it. Uh, for what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're thinking about communion. Well, there is a, there is a Greek word that is, for the word communion, and we translate in English from a Greek word, which you may also have heard. If you've been in church a long time. There's organizations that get named after this world, and the word that's koinonia. Has anyone heard of koinonia? And it appears in the same letter. Paul actually uses this very word which is translated in some translations as communion. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the koinonia? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Other places this word is translated as fellowship or association or community or joint participation. So our, our subject this, this morning is the strange phrase, why do we communion? And that sounds pretty odd, doesn't it? I've been debating. I almost ditched this idea, but actually I started thinking about it. And it's not just because I'm uh, stubborn, um, but that's, you know, we should have said, why do we take communion, right? That makes more sense grammatically. Or why do we commune? That's a bit hippie though, right? Um, but as I said, firstly, I'm a stickler for, for consistency. And our sermon series said, why do we gather? Why do we sing? Why do we pray? Why do we preach? Why do we give? So why do we communion? Okay? And I think it will maybe stick in our minds a bit better too, because it's just weird enough. But secondly, I think using this word communion as a verb is actually very interesting and illuminating. If we can just kind of forget a minute about all our English lessons that we had in school and, and um, bear with me. You know, think of communion as a noun. There's something very static about that. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It, or perhaps something as an individual that I get. They say, I am going to take communion. Or a moment in time, a once a week or a once a month activity. Are we having communion today? It almost feels somewhat limiting. And the word koinonia does appear in lots of verbal forms where it's a verb. It's about something more than just a simple fact or an act or some kind of object. And I think that really kind of reflects what we're, we're trying to get to when we think about communion. That it's, it's not just one moment. It's not a thing, it's not just some act that we do once a week or once a month, but it's actually part of a lifelong engagement. It's not just something that we do, but it's something that we are. It's an ongoing reality full of action and purpose each and every day. So first question I wanna ask you guys is, what is your experience of communion? When you think of that, that thing we do, think, just think back, just let your mind wander freely and uh, even like your child, when's the first time, just remember, when's the first time you remember doing that? Was it strange to you? Was it odd? How do you feel when you come to that point in the, in the 
in the service, you know, do you feel uh, that you should be feeling guilty? Do you feel joyful, happy, sad? Uh, how do you approach it? Uh, how many times have you participated in it? I wonder if you could calculate how many times you've got a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice and taken that. What were you taught about it? Just think about that for a minute. When you think of this concept, what does it feel like? What comes to mind? Is it something that you look forward to? Has it perhaps become just that moment where you do that thing and it doesn't seem to mean a whole lot? But today we're going to ask this strange question, why do we communion? And we could do some really simple answers to start with. Right? We could actually end this message right now. Well, that's kind of tempting, right, sometimes? Um, because there's about four things we could simply say, and they are the, these. Jesus initiated it. Jesus said, do this. Paul commanded it. We just read in Corinthians, do this as often as you gather. The early church practiced it, so we see they did this. And, and then the Christian church throughout all of history, all kinds of denominations have done some form of this act. But I think it needs to be more than obedience. It needs to be more than simply obedience. I do this out of some duty or obedience. It needs to be an involvement with a kind of a heartfelt receptivity and engagement, an intentionality with this. So as I was pondering this concept, because there's a lot of mystery in it, right? You guys maybe know about some of the church arguments over the centuries about, you know, in certain uh, streams of Christianity, they believe that when the host is held up, you know, it becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus. Uh, there's so much debate. People have lost their lives over this subject. So I want us to try and get into the heart of this matter. So I've got four phrases that I think might be helpful that I believe can give us a sense of what this is and therefore perhaps why we participate in it. And they are these. Uh, the first is a memorial service. The second is an open door. The third is a sign of hope. And the last is a common place. So we're just gonna take these in order. First, a memorial service. Who's been to a memorial service? And some elements are fairly common, typical, that you have maybe a little sermon, maybe you'll sing something, there'll be flowers, there'll be photographs. Sometimes there's a sharing time where people have recollections, we pass their microphone around and hope someone doesn't say something dumb. It happens, you keep that microphone close, don't give them the microphone. You hold it and you can just, or you get your sound guy up there, George's like, oh, I don't know what happened to the microphone, it, something went wrong. <clears throat> But recently, I was present for a memorial service, and it was an incredible, it was right here in this room, but New Song Church wasn't doing it. We were just providing a space, and actually, I had offered to do sound, <laughs> okay, uh, to play some music, and then to do the, basically the microphone, uh, and it was a woman by the name of Mary Randall who had passed away. And, and the Randall family had actually had a really tragic loss of, of one of the nephews, <clears throat> a lot of troubled life, and had actually had a drug overdose and had passed away. And they had recollected that they'd had the memorial service at New Song Church. We were not sure that actually happened, but we were like, yeah, if you want to come and do it here, that's fantastic. And I'll, I'll be the guy in the tech booth up there. And it was the most beautiful um, mixture of all of the best parts of memorial service. There was, there was tears, there was laughter. 
is the longest sharing time I've ever seen in a memorial service for this woman, Mary. There was a lot of people here, and they had stories, story after story of this lady, a very loved woman. Some of the assembly had known Mary for all of her life. I could share things that, that, that some of the younger ones had never heard before. Um, we really got a sense of this woman's character, you know? That she really truly was like a mom and a grandmother to many, many people and, and fiercely loved them, would give them anything if it would help them. And they were giving thanks and they were celebrating and they were doing it together. They were experiencing family. I think some of these people had not, they came from quite a ways away, some of them, to be together, to remember, to celebrate, to give thanks for the life of this person who had made such an impact on them all. I think it's sad now sometimes that families rarely gather unless someone passes away or someone gets married. But I think communion is somewhat like a memorial service at its best because we come as family together to remember, to express by our presence the value of the one that we remember, that we proclaim that Jesus has lived this life that has impacted everything in our world. And we share that love together. Do this in remembrance of me. We could have a sharing time sometime in communion, you know? Pass the mic and share, what does this mean for us that he has stepped into our lives? We didn't want him, we didn't ask for him, but he came because he loves us. A memorial service, that's the first one. The second one is an open door, and they're all closed here right now. I should have had an illustration, but an open door. Here's the thing about that service. I was an outsider in every possible way. I had met uh, William, who was the, the son that was kind of organizing it one time, and I was up there in that choir loft, choir loft, <laughs> what century am I from, sorry, some water, wouldn't that be good if it was the choir loft though, I was up there in the peanut gallery, and um, so I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't speaking, I wasn't doing any official, you know, a professional religious clergy thing at all. I was just making sure the microphone worked and it didn't feedback too much and playing some music. But not only that, I was practically the only white person in the room. This is a, a black family, African-American family, and I was practically the only, I mean, talking white, I'm Scottish, right? That's about as white, that's verging on blue, you know? It's all, all, my skin up here is pre pretty much opaque, you know, uh, transparent, you know? You can see these veins. Um, and culturally, I mean, as far away as possible, the, the pastor, Pastor Davis, who uh, did the service, man, it was like full-on gospel black church preaching, and I, I like recorded some bits, because I'm going to listen to this later on when I'm feeling, needing inspired. He was fantastic, but I was so not part of my world at all, and I was very much on the outside, so at the end of the thing... You know, everyone knows each other, their family, they're reuniting, and I felt like I didn't want to be in the way, I didn't want to impose myself, you know, I love people, but I'm just trying to be respectful, you know, uh, but William came up to me and said, hey, uh, pastor, oh, and also just the fact that they, they were so generous, saying, hey, thank Pastor Grant, New Song Church, and everyone applauded and stuff, grateful for you guys, you know, um, but then at the end, he was like, Pastor Grant, are you going to come back and, and spend some time with us? And I was like, oh, you know, and I was preaching the next day, so I'm kind of like, you know, I got some stuff to do. But he was like, man, come and get some soul food, that's what he said. 
And I was like, I don't really know what that is, but that sounds interesting. And so I went. Uh, I got in my everyone left, and I packed everything up, closed it all up, you know, and then went and drove to Pomona, showed up this house. The street was just lined with cars as far as the eye could see. Everyone had come, and I wandered with trepidation around to the backyard. And it was just like this banquet, this feast. They'd been cooking for days. There was foil containers with collard greens and, uh, oh man, you name it, all kinds of barbecue chicken and just, you know, you guys know what soul food is, right? More than I do. Corn and it was just amazing. Uh, and so they, they had gave me a seat there and I just felt so welcome. So I was an outsider, but I was invited to the meal. Um, so I'm sitting there and this, there's a couple of much older uh, ladies, this classy, this beautiful woman, and uh, one of them came down, and she was like, looked at her friend's plate and said, oh, I forgot to get the collard greens, like, you know, uh, so one thing I went up to get, and I said, I can get it for you if you want, so she's like, oh, no, and so I went and got it, got some for her, brought it back, and just, it started being this like, great conversation, all ages, little tiny kids, and, and the old folks, and the pastor was sitting there too, and just, it was kind of crazy and noisy and messy, um, but I was sitting across from the woman whose house it was, uh, and, and we're just chatting away, and she's like, you know, you know, when, next time we have a barbecue, we're gonna invite you, right? And I was like, immediately feeling like, okay, this feels like, this feels like church. We're gathered for a meal, and I'm an outsider, and they have welcomed me in to sit down and eat with them. And, and they're not asking anything of me, they're just, it's hospitality, it was beautiful. And then, to, to cap it all, William comes up, and they're, and, uh, they're in the service, they're talking about, yeah, you're all Randalls. You know, we're all Randalls and stuff, right? And they came up and said, hey, Grant, you're our Scottish Randall. <laughs> and I was like, whoo, I am part of the family. He said, I said, McRandall. And they were like, sounds good, McRandall. And I just thought, isn't that kind of what community, communion should be like? It's an open door. The door is ajar. The door is open. When we do this thing, our hearts are saying, come and join us. Come and have some soul food with us, uh, it just felt like maybe how church should be, even the fact, I wasn't sure we were going to say this, but there was some young, t- hip teenagers there, you know, hip-hoppity kind of people, whatever, uh, I'm so out of stuff, <laughs> but like, they snuck off, and as I was leaving, I realized they'd, they'd been like, you know, uh, they looked a little bleary-eyed when they came back, you know, but they're part of the family, they're part of the family, they came back and everyone's, you know, the pastor's sitting there, you know, he's praying for them, all oh, the young ones these days, you know, but it was, it was tight, it was inclusive, it was loving, it was welcoming, it was beautiful, um, and, I, and I think that's something we can think about for communion, so first of all, it's like a memorial service, right, the sharing that we do, we do it together, we're family, we come, we remember, we celebrate, um, but also it's like an open door. The, the door is open to those. So, you know, lots of churches have different understandings of communion, who can take communion, who can serve communion. Uh, one time in a class at school, from the whole diversity of the class, we're saying, okay, which, what does your church do for communion? Uh, and some of them were very, very tight. Like you had to have been ordained for a certain amount of years before you could even touch the bread, you know. Uh, you had to prove that you'd been baptized in that church before you could participate, etc. right? You know, we have... Not a lot of rules here for that, right? Because we believe it is an open door. And I think sometimes it can be perhaps a practical way for someone to step in for the first time. So what we simply say is like, okay, we're having communion now. You can say, feel free to let it pass you by if you're at a place where you're not ready to kind of receive this. But maybe today you can say, I want, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus yet, but I'm gonna take this little piece of bread, I'm gonna take this cup, because I want to, I want to. And we say, 
come, participate. Jesus said, take it, eat, all of you. So an open door. And I think it's an open door to even more communion then with God and with others, with people, a deeper, richer communion. Uh, The third thing I think it is is a sign of hope. A sign of hope in a world that truly needs hope. When we do this and we take the cup and we take the bread, we say to all who see even the invisible spiritual world, world, there is hope. And once again, back to the Randall family barbecue. You know, it was, it was clearly a, you know, a day of sorrow, but also a day of, of, of hopefulness. They clearly stated, you know, in this world we'll have trials. And today we sorrow, but we look forward to the day uh, of resurrection. And, um, you know, so they had this meal shared, and the sun was way too hot. You know, I was in, unfortunately, was not in the shade. And I was just like, wow, it's kind of hard. And, you know, the food, I got indigestion afterwards. You know, nothing's perfect, right? It was delicious going down, you know, struggling with it, you know. But, but, but the whole thing of a meal, like when we do it, right, it's the same for us. You know, we come to the table uh, and we have a lot, of, a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness and things. But we, we take that thing and we say, there's hope. And the meal that is shared here in the midst of our broken, tattered lives, we can't fix it, is, is, a, is a picture looking forward to what is rushing towards us is that day when Jesus said, truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. It is a sign of hope. You know, we started doing this, uh, taking communion, doing this, th- this thing together every single week uh, sometime last year, because I think it came partly as a result of our, of just the trauma that everyone had been going through in this pandemic and all the stuff that had been happening in 2020, 2021. We're just like, we need to do this whenever we gather. And one of the reasons is because it is a sign of hope that we are not left abandoned. You know, we wait, and his coming is certain. And so this place, I'd like to imagine not just uh, communion as an act, but a place, a place that has meaning, and, and it's different, it's quantifiably different perhaps than the rest of your life, but it is connected with it. And here's the kind of place I think it needs to be, is this is a common place, a common place. And in three ways, common value, common grace, and common life. And the first thing, like, what I mean by common value is that this is a place where we all come with exactly the same preciousness and value to God. There are no winners and losers, betters, lessers, rich, poor, we all come together. And you know that text I read earlier on in 1 Corinthians that we say, you know, the Lord gave to me and I give to you that he took bread and he broke it and etc. It sounds so lovely when it's in isolation from the rest of the text, but if any of you guys have read 1 Corinthians, most of that letter is kind of rebuke to a very early church that had quickly gone astray in many, many ways. And so what he's talking about, about taking the bread and the cup, he's saying the way you're doing this is a violation of what this is supposed to be, that you are one body, and who, no matter who you are, you come together and you share in this common faith. And Corinthians, the Corinthian church was full of division. 
And what Paul was saying is actually that people would be having lots to eat food at this meal, and other people would have nothing to eat at this meal. And then they would take, oh, the body and the blood of Christ, and isn't it wonderful? And he's saying, this is blasphemous. You cannot do this. We need to recognize that we, are, we come to this table. It's a level ground. We're all in the same place before the, before the cross of Christ. Second thing, common grace. Common grace. First uh, John, uh, one of Jesus' friends, John, wrote, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, and the word is communion, with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is, a, it is a picture of the common grace that is free to us all, that Christ has taken care of our sin problem, and we are forgiven, we are free. We take the bread, we take the cup, we recognize the common grace that is present for us all. And the third one is common life. You know, we are human beings. The scripture says that God knows that we are dust. We came from dust and to dust we will return. And there's something so beautiful about the fact that the elements that we take are bread, and, and bread from the field and, and um, juice from the grape, such fundamental objects of nourishment, something to drink and something to eat, but very basic. And every time we do this, I think it's kind of a reminder of our, our mortality that we share. There's a common life of being human beings that we need sustenance. We are weak. We are not so strong, all of us. A reminder of our mortality, but also a reminder that we bear the image of God, each and every one of us. This common life, this human life, but yet with this incredible gift of life in Christ that we share. Um, Philippians, Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, again, communion of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You know, when Jesus first instituted this Lord's Supper, it was on the eve of his betrayal, on the night of his betrayal, in fact. And he enters into this place of suffering and I think this is the common life we share. I was talking with someone recently about churches sometime. It's, we're like, we are the, you know, the community of the celebrating, right? I personally think that it's more apt to think of ourselves as the community of the suffering, that we are okay to confess that we are struggling, that we're suffering, and we come together to put our trust in Jesus together. So... Um, there's a lot of mystery in this. This is kind of hard to, to think about. But I want us to, to seek to um, engage and explore what it means when we take the bread and the cup in terms of these ways that we... Um, I'm sorry. That it is a memorial, that it's an open door, it is a place of access where we can enter into this life. It is a sign of hope, and it is a common place where we come together. I'm going to invite the band up. Um, to come up as I close here, because we're doing something different today. Normally we would have communion. Would it make sense to have communion now? Duh, Grant. <laughs> but, once again, what we're doing this time is, is different. We are going to, uh, we're kind of a little shorter in the service today. We're going to sing a few songs. We're going to celebrate this life that we've been given. And then we're actually, this is the first Sunday of the month where we typically invite everyone to stay. Some people bring a little something to eat, but we've provided a bunch of soup and bread. 
So we're going to embody this idea of communion. Because after this part of this gathering is finished with the music, and they do the Beatles song again, in case you missed it, which is called... I met with two pastors, local pastors this week, and Tim and Bruce. Tim's at Hilltop Church, wonderful guy. Um, and I asked him the question, hey, we're doing this music thing. We're doing communion. What would you think? And he went, how about come together by the Beatles? I was like, nailed it. Text the guys. So thank you, Tim. Um, but we're going to go outside. And I know some of you may have somewhere you have to be, but I would like to encourage you just simply to stay today and have some food for as long or short as that is, because what we're gonna do is we're gonna have communion at the beginning of our meal together. So everyone's invited to stay, and we're gonna take communion in the way it was kind of originally designed to be, that it was part of a shared meal. There's plenty of food for everybody, and everyone will be able to share that. So that's what we're going to do today. We will be invited to come outside uh, to remember, uh, to hope, to share, to make sure the door is open. And we'll do that together. Um, today we celebrate the Spirit's power coming to the first followers of Jesus. And the church was born in power. And we too are invited to be the church in the love of God, in the name of Jesus, and in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him.